Our friend Finn has watched 2020's Doolittle 70 times since its release on January 17th of 2020. I'm Frank, and this is View Little. Nobody told me there'd be a dragon! And you may call me Lady Rose. That's just a, a quote to get us started. We just watched Doolittle. It was Finn's 70th viewing. It was my third. <laughs> and it was our second on this journey that we're undertaking to watch it once a week. I think we should start by addressing the dragon in the room which is that today is also January 17th, which is the three-year anniversary of Doolittle's release. Three years. It, it does feel like it hasn't been that long because we lost a good three years there, but... We certainly did. And uh, your initial thoughts after your second viewing of the year? I'll be honest, I kind of dozed off there a little bit. I think I fell asleep for right after... Uh, Barry gets kicked in the balls. That's what, right? That's typically the sleepy part. And then uh, Stubbins escapes the city, and then I wake up when he gets caught. That's right. like my routine typically. There's like two minutes. I've rewatched that so many times. It's frustrating. <laughs> uh, yeah, but honestly, I was really sleepy going into this. And as soon as that part happened, I was really awake for the last bit, which was kind of odd. And ah. I did like the last bit this time. Was there anything that stood out to you on this viewing? Gosh, I think I'm over Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't really stand out to me. Oh, Stubbins is kind of worse than I remember. Mm. I, maybe it was because we're making fun of him. But his animal impersonations <laughs> are not very good. There's there's the amazing scene where I love his Dewey impersonations. Look. Are like going over the sounds and he's like, well, when bees go buzz, 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 buzz. <laughs> like, well, I could do that. Like, they should have cast me, honestly. Oh, I haven't I haven't brought this up to you yet, but I'm going to now. Um, I think that at the end of the year, we should record and redub a cover of the Doolittle movie. That's a weird way to say it, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that we should revoice everyone. Okay, that's good. <laughs> And I also think that we should make another cut of Doolittle where we take out all of the English and we make it exclusively animal sounds because I think that that would be better. Oh, another thing, speaking of Stubbins, is he's just kind of dumb, too. I There's a lot of things that stood out to me about how dumb everyone is in this movie <laughs> today. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm tired and just not having it. But, like, him, like, roar! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that oh, means worship. Oh, is he saying pickles? No. What's he saying pickles for? <laughs> oh, worship. Also, like, so all the animals are hyper-intelligent, like, animals, because they can fluently speak English from what we can tell. Right, they all understand all English, yeah. So why didn't he just say worship? He would have he been able to speak with, well, I mean, I guess it seems like every animal can speak among themselves really well, so all of them do know bear. So if he shouts in bear, it's not a huge deal to the rest of the ship, I guess. Yeah, but imagine like you're trying to warn something of a dire situation. You're like, I'm going to use the language I just, just learned. learned. I've been on this boat for seven days. <laughs> I'm going to start shouting in bear. Yeah, Stubbins yeah. is a lingual genius. He, he, picks, he picks up all these languages in 17 days. That was one thing that I noticed on this viewing is that uh, the movie came out on the 17th of January and... A solar eclipse appears in the movie on the 17th of the month. <laughs> so they're really focused on that 17th moment 
I think that there's some immersion that they're allowing the people who got tickets to opening day. They were really hoping for that immersion. Yeah, that, that's like my slogan is that coincidences just don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, especially with numbers, we all know. One thing that we were really talking about right after the movie ended and throughout the course of the movie as Kevin is updating his log, we were talking about the amount of time that this voyage takes and how they're able to do so much and get so far in such a short period of time because they only have 17 days for this entire adventure at at the most yeah at the most it might be less than because yeah Doolittle says um a solar eclipse will occur on the 17th of this month and we don't know what day they're starting at but in fairness they do harness the speed of whales right which we all know are very fast yes they're, they are faster than a metal warship. Right. A metal warship in the Victorian era, which would be roughly 18, 1837 to 1845-ish, is probably about when this movie takes place. Yeah. Because they're referencing her as a young queen, and her reign started in 1837. So, give or take, somewhere around the 1840 mark, 1837 to 1845, that's when this movie is taking place. Also, like, I feel like they don't use sails in the movie. <laughs> like, I don't know. I guess I never noticed the sails down on either boat. Well, they, especially the like the boat Rizzoli gives them because like all the sails well, are tattered. And right, just there's no work. sails left in those. Yeah, so the sails that do work are the ones that save Stubbins' life when he jumps off the bridge. Right, because yeah. that's what they're for. Exactly, they are. <laughs> so, what else did you bring for? I know you have like six papers there. Um, yes. One, so since it is the birthday today of the third year anniversary birthday, um, there is an asterisk there with that because the release date was changed multiple times. <laughs> so January 17th of 2020, while it was the final release date and it's the most important one for birthday considerations, it is interesting to note that originally it was supposed to come out in May of 2019, which then got pushed to April of 2019 until it was finally moved nine months into the future of January of 2020. And there's different speculation about why these changes happened. With the last move in particular, the April to January of 2020 push, that's when the reshoots took place. There were three weeks of reshoots in that nine-month span, and there were also new directors that were brought in to help piece a movie together. So a test screening didn't go too well. Jonathan Liebsman of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Chris McKay of the Lego Batman movie. And notably, those are directors who have done work in CG before, whereas Stephen Gagan has not had a lot of CG work. There's some speculation that that's part of why the movie was not in a great place and it needed help. Yeah, he's also, like, I know he he didn't direct Traffic, he wrote it. And right. he wrote and directed Siriana. Yeah. And I know he's more known as a writer than as a director. Which, you know, you start to question when you're looking at this one. <laughs> it feels a little suspect. Yeah, I mean... Everyone can lay his thinker. <laughs> in fairness, uh, if you go on, you're going to talk about the script, right? Yes, I am going to talk <laughs> okay. about the script. In that nine months period... When they pushed the movie back, they also commissioned some script rewrites and they brought in Seth Rogen and they brought in <laughs> Brendan O'Brien and they were trying to get all hands on deck to try to make this movie funnier. 
there's some speculation about where different parts of the movie came from. So in an article on The Hollywood Reporter by Boris Kitt, he suggests that the wild card among these rewrites was Downey himself and that he was the one who brought about the dragon colonoscopy enema moment at the last minute. He, You know he's been thinking about that. He was just waiting to bring it up. Because, like, no one just comes up with that. Because it's not really funny and it's not really, like, a just normal thought. I've never thought, you know, it would be a good climax to the movie in Enema. This this rewatch was the first time that I really focused on that scene with the idea of the depressed dragon in mind. And also the colonoscopy and obstructed bowels in mind. Yeah, And the double speak that's going on over the course of the exchange with Doolittle is... It's actually kind of funny. It is really funny, but it like the colon, <laughs> the colon thing just completely undercuts it because it, does. it you're it does. like you're right. The symptoms are the same. <laughs> a pain that it comes from inside. Something about every time you make a movement, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the pain continues, and it's sort of like it ruins everything that Doolittle's been working towards, which is overcoming this grief about lily being dead <laughs> I, see i think what would be really funny is then after they do that he's like oh that's what's wrong with me too <laughs> <laughs> my instructed bowels <laughs> dab dab please give me a piece of celery <laughs> i realize that give me, me a leak me as well i have not pooped in days <laughs> i fully understand oh, your pain no. oh no <laughs> that would be a great scene a super cut of them like both having instructions at the same time <laughs> that's just such a wild thing to suggest but also like i love how they bring in noted family comedian seth rogan, seth rogan to who, help jazz things up yeah because yeah, you know he's no he's not known for raunchy comedies he's known for his light-hearted observational family humor i'm going to read a quote from the wall street journal article by rt watson here it says, the studio's decision to tinker with a newly, nearly finished film delayed its release by nine months as it commissioned script rewrites and hired two new directors to help with about three weeks of additional photography, according to people familiar with the production. The goal of these measures, these people said, was to craft a sillier movie more likely to appeal to younger moviegoers and overseas audiences. And like, I think they were right. Like we, we've talked about the Rotten Tomato audience score and like the IMDb, like I think it was successful in that. So was it though? Well, we don't know what the original movie was, but I feel like among kids, it seemed to be well received. I don't. You know, Stephen Gagan has two kids, and this is the <laughs> movie he comes up with. I, mean, I I wonder how much of the awful jokes are on him, and how much are on the rewrites. I mean. I, if I were him, I would still probably prefer my kids to watch Doolittle than Traffic. <laughs> because it's a much better movie, <laughs> of course. Everything just goes back to the dragon, because like, I don't think that scene's fun for anyone. Because like, kids don't know what's going on, and I don't think it's very Bad funny pipes. after the, the fart. I, I am glad that they decided to... Well, I don't know if glad's the right word, because it would have been pretty funny if they hadn't but there was an article that suggested instead of pulling out bagpipes he was going to pull out a massive dinosaur a massive dragon turd that's so good (laughs) (laughs) 
John Cena. Bagpipes were the safer one, for sure. John Cena in the background. Ooh, stinky. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> Whoa, nice one, Doc. Speaking on the subject of rewrites and reshoots, is there anything that stands out to you as something that, ah, uh, this is definitely a re... This is redone. This feels like a reshoot. Uh, you were bringing up earlier there how was... a lot of the... There's a lot of connection to the Lego movie. A lot of, like cameos uncredited like the rabbit uncredited cameo will arnett yeah yeah and then you have uh mckay coming in and directing and he probably injected some of those pieces yeah and then like craig robinson's whole character could just be taken out of the movie the april the april 2019 release date had a different poster and different list of cast of characters craig robinson was listed as Fleming a mouse on that poster. And it was a lot more of a steampunky sort of vibe to it. Yeah, I remember seeing that poster. Like, And when the release date got moved to January of 2020, that's when that poster got dumped and all of the new stuff came in, where the new tagline was, he's just not a people person. And it was you know, him featured with all the different animals. <laughs> that's really funny. That's a good tagline. That's yeah. a good tagline. But yeah, Craig Robinson, if you look at any scene with him in it, you could just take him out of the scene, except when the scene he gets shot. That's the only time he fits. I suspect that that's part of the reshoots. Oh, it has to be. Because he also offers a sort of narrative through line. He has like a voiceover section. Which is why to complete the through line, I really wish that it would have been him delivering the Eden fruit to Stubbins at the end instead of Mimi. He's not a monarchist. That's what I get from the squirrel. <laughs> He's anti-queen. He doesn't care if the queen is saved. He refused that job, yeah. Well, it seems like most of them don't... Well, I shouldn't say most of them. It seems like Dr. Doolittle doesn't necessarily care if the queen gets saved either. The only reason he's doing it is to protect his property. There's like a weird... There's like a lot of weird like romantic glances. Between him and the queen? Yeah, at yeah, the end. Just between that. the queen where she's like... Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, it's very bizarre, especially where, where at the beginning he's like, I don't care if the queen dies. I think that's a quote. It's something like that, yeah. Yeah, because the only reason they he helps is because if she dies, they lose the deed to the treasury, which never made sense to me, but I don't know Victorian laws. so We'll have to get a, a law, legal expert to come on and talk to us about uh, the legality that such a contract might dream up yeah we do know a couple lawyers was there any other things that you like saw that are clearly reshoots oh uh the whole of uh monte verde is like super chopped up it is super chopped up um i'm not sure that there were too many reshoots done except for like animal banter stuff yeah i do think that because there's i got one the last scene uh when he's doing a speech but then he doesn't actually do one I think that bit, like, where they're all getting excited for a speech, I think that part was a an add-in. Because that it undercuts it, and then it instantly goes into him, like, talking about grief. Right. And I think that's, like, one of the things that's bad about it, is that they undercut all the interesting, like, grief and depression things with humor. There's a good scene where Doolittle is finally discussing, like, his... Uh, the famed explorer lily he doesn't say that they're his wife but then the monkeys are sipping on 
coconuts. coconuts. Yeah. And it, yeah. it really makes the scene better because it takes all the emotion out. Because you don't have to pay attention anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good Everyone joke. Everyone getting bored out of their minds listening to this. So it's much better to have monkeys sipping on coconuts. Yeah, I looked behind me. I thought it was someone in, in the theater. <laughs> right. <laughs> Crinkling their tinfoil. That's one thing I would do to make that scene better. Instead, just have them eating hot dogs and popcorn. Sort of a... You know, that is something that I could see in a Universal movie. Um, speaking on Doolittle's birthday, the 17th being the theatrical release, three-year anniversary, uh, do you remember back to when you first saw the trailer for Doolittle? I do. I don't know, because it played in theaters in front of every single movie for, like, it felt like decades, right? <laughs> like, that one and, and the Trolls World tour. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every single movie you would see would have Doolittle and uh, that one. I do remember the first time I saw it because the first trailer without the dragon is quite good, I think. It does a good like slow down cover of... Uh, I think that the slow down covers are such a hammy trailer yeah, oh, yeah, thing yeah. to do, but... And then yeah. they like match up the cannon shots with like it, it has like a sense of adventure. About it does it. have a sense of adventure. They do a really nice job in the trailer of taking every moment of action in the movie <laughs> and fitting it in because all of them are there. Every time a door gets broken down, every time an animal does something interesting with like a jump move or uh, some cool bit of action, it's all in there. It's all in the trailer. Yeah, it's. I wouldn't say it's a good trailer, but it's better than the movie. <laughs> it is better than the movie. <laughs> Even with Robert Downey Jr.'s accent still present, that is. <laughs> and then probably like two months later, they changed the trailer. They added the dragon. And they also do like a thing trailers do these days where they do like a short preview of the trailer before the trailer. Just to make sure that they get your attention at the start. Yeah, it's like this is a scene you will see in the trailer of the movie you will see. And then it's of the dragon, which is a weird spoiler, because I don't think the dragon needs any place. And I think it would have been... I feel like knowing there's a dragon sort of takes away the whole purpose of having a dragon. Yeah, and like, like nobody wonder, told me the wonder of the <laughs> Nobody told me there'd be a dragon. Nobody told me there'd be a dragon. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go on. I don't remember what I was going to say. Yeah, it takes away the wonder of it. It does. It takes away the surprise and the joy of discovery of, oh, wow, a dragon. No way. Instead, it's there's a dragon in this movie. Don't you want to come see it? Not I, enough of you were excited about our last trailer. You need to come, you need to come see our movie because there's a dragon. I think what would have been a better reveal is it's just a clip of him at the end saying, like, severe impacts of colon. <laughs> just referencing that they're just about to help yeah. with a constipation and you don't see any dragon. You don't see, there's no context. That's just the end of the trailer. <laughs> that would make me very intrigued. Like, what, what, what is this reference? Wow. And they could do, like, the fun thing trailers do and, like, cut in another person immediately after. <laughs> Make it seem like it was a different person. It was the queen. The queen. You may call me queen, Lady Rose. The queen who's on her deathbed is the one who has a severe infection of the cold. <laughs> that would be a... See, that, that would bring it all around. Is he, and then they he could give use him the, the national symbol of Wales, the leak. 
<laughs> to save the queen of England. <laughs> they give her the Eden fruit. It works, but she's like, oh, oh my god, I still feel sick. And they're like, oh, we we just did one of these. We can get you in. <laughs> I really think they needed to add more fart jokes to the <laughs> They were lacking. I think, they, I think that in those reshoots where they came in and they pumped this movie full of fart jokes, they really should have doubled down. They should have kept going. They didn't add enough. The original director, yeah, he, he was probably telling them, was like, you know, you should really just add in more, you know, like Traffic and Syriata. They're well known for their <laughs> fart jokes. <laughs> I do wonder, um, I looked on his social media, uh, just out of curiosity and like in his Twitter bio, he lists traffic, Syriana, gold, does not list Doolittle. So I feel for him a little bit. I wonder if his Doolittle, uh, dream was destroyed by the studio. I mean, like you've mentioned, he hasn't really done any CG work. So there's a good chance that the studio was right. And it's hard to say that with the movie, like, being as bad as it is. <laughs> but, like, sometimes the studio does know best, and maybe the original project was equally bad. There was a series of Reddit comments that came out at the time of the announce of the movie being pushed back. Uh, There's a series of Reddit comments made by someone that said that they worked in previs for the movie, mm-hmm. and that Stephen Gagan had no idea what he was doing, and that everything was a mess, and that... Uh, he was an impossible director to work with um, on the CG stuff. And you have to take it with a grain of salt because it's a series of Reddit comments. So you don't know right. like whether or not they're actually factual or not, especially because they listed characters as being gooses instead of ducks and things like that. And you have to wonder, someone in previous surely knows that it should be a duck and not a goose. But it did seem to be a troubled production from the from the, from Jump. I mean, this way I relate this to modern time, uh, Francis Ford Coppola is currently trying to make uh, Megalopolis and it just keeps getting delayed and pushed back and it's the first movie he's done with like heavy CG in it and it's been filming for like two years or three years. I don't. I think the moral of the story is if you're a director out there and you're going to make a super CG movie, get someone who knows CG to help you out or do some crazy storyboards at the start. Know what you're doing. And don't fire them. I think that's the real thing is yeah. do not replace the people you're working with at the start because like, like they know more than you probably. So maybe yeah. you should just stick with them even if their vision isn't exact because what's in your head isn't always going to come out exactly as you picture it because there have been a lot of examples of that as late where it's just clear that not every director knows how to do a big CG movie. Yeah, not every director can figure out all the blocking and everything evidently i think one thing that helps in having a heavy cg movie is adding as many digital snap zooms yes, as you can absolutely <laughs> they make every that, scene better i think that that is an absolutely huge benefit you should throw in as many of them as you can find anytime you have a space where you can throw in a digital zoom get it in there if you have a boy that's sort of clipping into the draft yes, um, just snap zoom in on that. definitely blow that up as fast as you can uh <laughs> Digital snap zoom zoom on him moving, track him running along the cliff edge. Really good. I wonder if that was like some pettiness. It's like, look how bad that looks. Snap zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. I'm sorry, animators. I'm I'm really sorry. CG's not good. Snap zoom. (laughs) 
Well, maybe it's to hide it. I don't know. I this <laughs> looks like nonsense. What can we do? Digital Zoom, quick. We could be wrong. It could have been an actual Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> so we should read off the Universal Pictures official synopsis of Doolittle here. So this is from universalpictures.com slash movies slash Doolittle. And it goes like this. Robert Downey Jr. electrifies one of literature's most enduring characters. And that's literature's most enduring characters being a character that's 100 years old. That's literature's <laughs> most enduring character. Yeah, right. In a vivid reimagining of the classic tale of the man who could talk to animals, Doolittle. After losing his wife, is it Kasia? Cassia? Kasia? I, I have no idea. Who Smutniak? <laughs> Kasia Smutniak? Cassia Smutniak? I, I don't... Apologies I, to Cassia. I only know what she looks like. <laughs> if you'd like to come on and clear that up for us, <laughs> we'd love to talk to you. Uh, seven years earlier, the eccentric Dr. John Doolittle, Downey, famed doctor and veterinarian of Queen Victoria's England, hermits himself away behind the high walls of Doolittle Manor with only his menagerie of exotic animals for company. When the young queen, Jessie Buckley, Wild Rose, falls gravely ill, a reluctant Doolittle is forced to set sail on an epic adventure to a mythical island in search of a cure, regaining his wit and courage as he crosses old adversaries and discovers wondrous creatures. Which, I mean, I don't know about wondrous creatures, plural. Uh, <laughs> no, anyway. he, he did discover a squirrel at the beginning of the movie. Right. So if you add the squirrel and the dragon, that's two <laughs> that's creatures. Two wondrous creatures yeah. for sure. <laughs> the doctor is joined on his quest by a young self-appointed apprentice, Dunkirk's Harry Collett and a raucous coterie of animal friends, including an anxious gorilla, Oscar winner Rami Malek, an enthusiastic but bird-brained duck, Oscar winner Octavia Spencer, a bickering duo of a cynical ostrich, the big six Kumail Nanjiani, and an upbeat polar bear, John Cena, Bumblebee, and a headstrong parrot, Oscar winner Emma Thompson, who serves as Doolittle's most trusted advisor. Yeah, that, that was rough. Uh, the crazy ex-girlfriend... Like, were they going for a musical at any point? Or is that just, like, coincidence? Because I know the original Doolittle movie was a musical, right? It was. The 1967 one. Yeah. Um, so, I guess that's just coincidence. I don't... Nothing that I read suggested that they were originally trying to do any sort of musical with this one. Yeah, you've done all the research. I've just watched the movie 70 times. <laughs> that is what I'm bringing. So That's I'm research bringing as well. That's research as well, for sure. Yours is in the trenches. Yours is hands-on practical research. Uh, I've just been scrolling internet articles and doing my best to try to piece together what on earth is going on. That's called research. <laughs> yeah, well. I think the biggest thing to note is that they're really harping on, like, every movie mentioned, they're trying to, like, say the biggest movies they're in. It is weird that Antonio Banderas is just Antonio Banderas, because you already know. <laughs> right, yeah, his name lives above. But it's clear that they're just trying to say, like, look at this huge Oscar-winning cast that we got. And Do, like, please come see this movie. Yeah. A lot of the people in the movie who've won Oscars are hardly in the movie. Jim Broadbent is in the movie for like 15 minutes at most like less, he, less than that probably yeah 10 minutes he's the main villain but he doesn't he's not really the focus at all no he i guess he's not the main villain that would be michael sheen but well he's he's the lord Sidious to michael sheen yeah <laughs> michael sheen's darth vader <laughs> i don't know what that is everything about this is just always gets me like 
hearing you read that cast list earlier and how like acclaimed it is and then watching the movie and knowing that they're only in it for like two minutes tops five minutes tops like that's wild and then like hearing this how they like try to make it sillier instead of like i don't know trying to involve more of the cast (laughs) i imagine at that point though a lot of these people that they have signed on they're done with principal photography and everything. So if they're doing reshoots, they have to have time in their schedules to be able to go in and film new things and put new lines in place. So I still don't think that any, I think Robert Downey Jr. was on the set. all <laughs> And I mean, I don't know. Like they also suggested that part of the reason that they moved the release date to when they did was that would be more favorable for the release in the Chinese market on February in February. I can't imagine the people of China being excited about a dragon colonoscopy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Nobody told me there'd be a dragon. I think one thing I would be interested in hearing about is we talked a lot about visuals, but like the audio, specifically the voice acting, is so awful to the point where it's like hearing it, hearing like Tom Holland speak, it doesn't, it sounds like someone doing the tom holland impersonation it really doesn't sound like him same with uh selena gomez and marion cotillard they just don't really sound like themselves and like if you to contrast that antonio banderas sounds really good and i wonder if like the recording was just bad or like there wasn't a direction in the recording studio i was wondering about that and i was thinking about as i was watching it listening to uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, he does a lot. A lot of his audio sounds like it's just not coming from anywhere specific. It's like over the top, like stacked on top of everything that's already there. So it's not like it's layered into like the left side of the screen or something like that. It's it's all very much on top of it. I wonder if with him, his at least, it was to make him more understandable. Well, if they were worried is... that his... He is heavily ADR'd. Right. Heavily. Right. And, like, Stubbins isn't really. It it doesn't come across that way. So it could be, like, his accent was so bad that they're like, hey, you need to reread all your lines (laughs) so we can put them in later. Yeah, but, I mean, they they still could have, you know, mixed it in. Like, they didn't... The fact that it's all just... It feels like it's right over the top. Maybe I'm I'm making all of this up, but that's sort of the way it felt to me on this watch no i think you're right i think the sound mixing is like abhorrent like i think the audio is like probably a bigger issue than like the visuals because for the most part the cg looks pretty good yeah we we could like uh, pick out points digital zooms aside and um some of the clipping and human interactions aside they do stitch these critters into the scenes pretty well yeah the only person who sounds good is john cena (laughs) as far as voice acting goes and maybe octavia spencer deb 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 deb's pretty good yeah but everyone else sounds like they just couldn't be bothered to get into the studio oh emma thompson's pretty good too it could be that they're just better at voice acting I mean, Kumail Nanjiani is pretty awful in this, and he's done a lot of voice acting. I don't know. Is he awful because of his voice acting, or is he awful because of what his character is, which is just quips? I think think both. 
because his voice acting is quite bad. Like, oh my god! You know, that's one of the disappoint- most disappointing things for me. My favorite line in the movie is, nobody told me there'd be a dragon. <laughs> and it only appears in the trailer. It doesn't even make the movie. It's really too bad. Do you have anything else to say about today? About watching the, the Doolittle? My main takeaway of the day is that after I was so excited on the last viewing, I'm complete opposite this time. It's it's so boring and not good. I'm ready to fluctuate 50 more times on that. Honestly, this time didn't really... I mean, I guess I did sleep for like five minutes. <laughs> but that's like the point. That's just... I don't know. I always... Because, like, once you get the punchline of, like, down there, hit him in the lower regions. <laughs> and then there's, like, the weird CG nuts getting hit, which I have it on good authority that they really, like, had hyper-realistic balls in that scene prior <laughs> <laughs> that they cut out. <laughs> but... Uh, but after that, I just, like, pass out because it, I know that nothing interesting happens until they land onto the island. So it's hard for me to, like, stay awake. I think I'm ready for watch number three. I'm not excited, uh, but I'm I'm prepared for it this time. And hopefully I will sleep more than three hours before recording, like, every week. <laughs> I really am trying to get the worst viewing experience out of this that I can. <laughs> Before we wrap it up and do our ratings, uh, what else have you been watching, listening to, to keep me sane? To keep, yeah. <laughs> well, I tell of... you what. The last week I've been I've been going through. Here's some paperwork for you. Um, find us on wherever you can listen to podcasts, and find us on YouTube. And uh, I was throwing all of those places together over the last week. And so I was thinking about Doolittle constantly. (laughs) (laughs) So that might be part of why this time I was like, oh, God. Uh, But uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher and everywhere that podcasts are out there. Um, If you can't find this somewhere and you'd like us to be there, Go ahead and shoot an email to drviewlittle at gmail.com. That's dr.viewlittle at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your experience with this movie, if you have one that you'd like to share. Well, for me, uh, I have been doing other things, uh, like working, mostly. I don't I don't dream of Doolittle like I used to. Uh, let's see. I recently watched Puss in Boots. A oh, new one. wow, a Universal movie. How was that? Or I thought it was weird that Robert Downey Jr. was in it with a whole host of talking animals. But otherwise, I liked it a lot. Was Robert Downey Jr. in that movie? No. Oh, Antonio Banderas okay. is. That's a connection. That is a connection. I was going to say, I thought, for a second, I believed you. I thought he actually was in there. There's a scene where he's like... She'd want you to continue. Keep going. So keep going. That's in Puss in Boots. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> as far as like Doolittle things I've been doing is I actively quote Doolittle in my day-to-day life on accident. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've been up to. Um, would you recommend this movie? Did you enjoy it? I did not enjoy it. <laughs> 
did not enjoy it uh would not recommend it i was feeling really good after my first viewing of the year i'm feeling i'm feeling much worse after this viewing it was much less fun it was more boring and i don't know 50 more times 50 more times that's not even that many times honestly well for someone who's seen it 70 times you know it's, it's almost starts, <laughs> starts starts becoming less and less for you but for me I, i'm excited to break a century and well 30 weeks <laughs> <laughs> last time it was towards the middle viewings where i wouldn't know like how the binary system just doesn't really work because it wasn't really a yes or a no it was like i lived through it you know <laughs> but i guess this time i'd be leaning towards no i didn't enjoy it and recommend i do recommend it this time wow I, yeah i think you if you have a movie player a blu-ray player you should go buy yourself a copy <laughs> no don't do it this is not an endorsement and uh, yeah, I received 5% of all sales. <laughs> I've been contacted by Universal. They... Finn's getting kicked back. That's why he's watched it 70 times. That's why, he's, that's why he's participating in a podcast, because Universal is trying to drum up support for Doolittle so that they can release a sequel. <laughs> they want to make another one. I, I, would, I would like another sequel. Another sequel. I would like a first sequel. <laughs> but I... I don't know what it would be like. Maybe they need to revisit the drag. <laughs> it's just more animals. That's the movie. He goes, he gets completely unhinged this time. And it's just all fart jokes. <laughs> the thing is that if they were hoping to build a franchise off of like, this. Like there isn't really a sequel to The only thing that you could really do is like Stubbins is now the doctor. But there's not really anything to go off of as far as like sequels. So I, I think they knew that this was just a one and done sort of deal. Do you have anything else to say to wrap this up? Um, no, that's it for me. I'm I'm Frank. I'm out of here. All right, and you may call me Lady Rose. <laughs> this has been View Little. See ya.